The bridge officer on watch keeps a lookout and takes responsibility of safe navigation. Guard is a marine insurer supporting new ideas and technologies for a safer and greener shipping industry. And we learn from these experiences. On Watch is our opportunity to share the experiences and ideas that inspire us. I'm Kunal Pathak. And I'm Kim Jeffries. Welcome back to our second episode on seafarer abandonment. In the previous episode, we talked to Rahul Devedi, who shared his story of being abandoned by his owners. And we also briefly discussed with ITF on how severe this issue has become. In this episode, we will continue our dialogue with Mohammed from ITF and Alice Amundsen from Guard on handling of abandonment cases. Now, we touched briefly on the MLC in the last episode. And I'm sure many of you already know that MLC provides protection for the seafarers when they are abandoned, and the PNI clubs, like Guard, guarantee costs of provisions while on board, repatriation, and up to four months of unpaid wages. Now, I asked Alice on how has the MLC worked in practice in her experience, and also asked her to give us some insight from Guard's experience. Well, I can't share the details of the cases in which we have been involved, but what I what I can explain is that it has come to our attention in trying to deal with these cases that the MLC certificate uh, solution that has been put in place is not a complete solution. So what we have experienced, and particularly in, in one case in 2020, was that port authorities are not likely to allow all of the, what I call the original crew that are on board the ship. They will only allow the excess crew above the minimum manning requirement to be repatriated because they would be left with an unmanned ship um, and also they lose in effect their um, connection to the security provider in the shape of the PMI club so that the indirect financial security that the club is providing will also disappear and that indirect financial security um, are things like bunkering the ship, providing food and provisions um, and other necessities for the crew on board. As a result, um, in the particular case I'm thinking of, whilst we were able to repatriate nine of the crew on board, albeit it taking several months in order to arrange that, we were not able to repatriate the remaining five and it took almost another four months before we were able to do that and um, an awful lot of uh, negotiation uh, and working collaboratively and not least with the ITF. And let me turn to Mohammed here. Uh, Mohammed, you perhaps heard Alice about the challenges that uh, you would expect in a PNI club. 
But from an ITF perspective, I think your challenges are going to be unique or, or are they similar? Can you tell us a little bit about, um, about that? It is true because uh, the, main, the main issue, uh, as in this particular case, I remember because we worked uh, very closely with the PNI Club to, to send the crew back home. And, uh, uh, and it was very difficult because the owner had abandoned the ship. They were not sending relievers on board. The local port authority has its own other priorities and they are not happy to leave the ship without, uh, without any seafarers. Of course, for us, the argument from the IT perspective uh, are, repeated, are repeated that we very often uh, hear the same explanation. Now I cannot leave the ship alone. Now there is a minimum safe money. Uh, whilst we are uh, totally aware that the minimum safe money certificate is a document that is valid and applicable uh, when the ship is sailing, not when the ship is abandoned, is in legal course, is not moving anywhere. And in many cases, we hear the same argument, unfortunately, uh, uh, despite that the ship has mechanic problems or problems of engine and everyone is aware that it's not going anywhere. So uh, the issue here, <coughs> The issue here is uh, a matter of collaboration, active collaboration, uh, that the, 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 the local port authorities have to, uh, to implicate more. This is how I would call it, because uh, we have many cases currently now, now we have many cases where the, the local port authorities refuse the repatriation of the, of the seafarers. We see and we perceive that, unfortunately, uh, despite the, uh, despite the, uh, the MLC, uh, the seafarers somehow, to put these challenges uh, in context, uh, I would say that the seafarers are not still in the center of priorities. Unfortunately, uh, here, for example, the example that uh, Alice uh, uh, mentioned, uh, we worked collaboratively. So we were lucky, the seafarers were lucky, because all their needs were covered. The PNI Club assured and confirmed the payment of the four months. Uh, all their basic needs is covered, which is not the case in the many cases we are dealing with now. Okay? But in this particular case, uh, all the basic needs were needed. The seafarers were aware that they were getting their four months. This is where we have to put the focus on. And that's what I call by, uh, let's put things in context, because in many cases, uh, the line between the seafarers' rights and the basic human rights disappears. Because how can you refuse? I'm not only sticking here to the, uh, to the uh, MLC, to the Maritime Labour Convention, but to the Human Basic Rights uh, Declaration of the United Nations. These seafarers are abandoned, not paid, uh, and if you refuse their repatriation, what's the alternative? What is the alternative to these seafarers? Can I ask a follow-up question on your dealings with the port authorities here? Uh, from all the cases that you were able to resolve last year, what's that one thing that you feel has worked well with the port authorities, especially when you're dealing with repatriation of the abandoned seafarers? I must say here that Every case of abandonment has its own synchrosis and every case is different. Mm. Every case is different. We have seen cases of, uh, of uh, fleets, Palmali, the last one, 
had many cases in many countries abandoned, one in Lebanon, many in Turkey, Malta, and the solution given from the ITF, uh, the possible solution uh, was different in every case. So every case is different, depending on what port you are in the same country sometimes, uh, uh, and uh, what country, of course, you are, if that country is is uh, uh, has notified the MLC or not. But there is a lot of much more conditions. It's it's this is the uh, this is the first premise I would I would say. It is uh, very helpful when the ship is abandoned for us in a country where we do have, um, for the, for example, an advanced uh, collaboration with the maritime authorities. When we do have contacts there, uh, ITF contacts, this is always very key. We have managed to settle, to repatriate the crew in Libya with active assistance from our union and our affiliates and our contacts in Libya, uh, with all the difficulties that everyone can understand in a country in war, we managed to settle and fix cases of abandonment uh, in Yemen, in Sudan, in, uh, in Emirates, uh, in the Emirates uh, with, the, with the maritime authorities, there is close collaboration, and only recently uh, again, the authorities, uh, the maritime authorities of the UAE has accepted the repatriation with no relievers, I mean keeping the ships without, with no crew, like in the case of the vessel we collaborated with Alice and Garth, the ship was allowed, uh, I mean the crew were allowed to be disembarked and repatriated without the owners saying, sending in relievers. So the ships are left alone. So I'm speaking about two ships that has just been, uh, uh, the crew has just been disembarked and left. So two other cases uh, settled. The role of our contacts can be decisive because they are, they are there. They have the contacts and the knowledge of the laws. Uh, they can address the cases uh, directly with the local authorities. Uh, it is very, very, uh, it is very, very important. Of course, there is a lot of uh, uh, way to go still, uh, but uh, I would like to, uh, to to insist here because I think it is the vital thing: is that the role of the port authorities, uh, the consciousness and the awareness they can have regarding the key role they have, is is very, very, very important. Is vital because at the end of the day. Uh, the decision to allow the seafarers to leave uh, must come from the local port authorities. And this is where we have to put accent uh, accent all on and work uh, at all levels we can uh, to, raise, uh, to raise more awareness. I think the way I understand from uh, your description of handling these cases, you require a more holistic and a strategic approach to resolving these cases. If I can ask you this, from the cases that you've, uh, you have handled from God's perspective, uh, what has been your learning? Uh, although I, I understand fully that there have not been that many cases that you've handled, but um, from those uh, cases itself, do you think there is a strategic learning for us uh, which we can share with other handlers? Yes, without doubt. Um, apart from, from learning about the flaw in the system um, that... Uh, Mohammed and I have just talked about. 
uh, I would say that was, you know, the biggest uh, piece of learning that we had. Um, but, you know, I would say that establishing a really good rapport with the crew is very important. Um, as I said earlier, it's not very often when handling P&I claims that we have such a close relationship to the crew that we have direct contact with them. And I think that in an abandonment situation, a P&I club is regarded almost as a lifeline or, or a saviour. And so it's, it's um, taken a little bit of getting used to of having a crew member or the master calling us directly on behalf of the crew to tell us about all their problems. So we, we have learned that it's very important to listen and to, to um, offer whatever we can to, to make the seafarers as comfortable as possible, um, as well as, of course, in the background, um, making all these efforts that uh, Mohammed has, has referred to in order to get them home. You know, it it's, can be very little things in terms of adding some, some extra goodies, if you like, to the victualling to much more um, you know, serious and sometimes urgent things to get bunkers delivered to ensure that the ship can, can be continued to be, to be operated. So I think you know, it's, it's critical for us to, to listen and to show empathy and most importantly, to deliver on what we say. So we cannot make a promise that we will get these seafarers home in a week's time because um, it's just not possible to 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 make those promises until you know we have it in black and white that the port authority has said yes the seafarers uh, can come off the ship and then because of the um, COVID-19 pandemic um, we can't just get them on a plane just like that as normally we would they have to go into quarantine and, you know, it does take time, uh, depending on where you are, to arrange um, their transportation home. So I think that a, a big learning here is, is for, for us to play a very um, empathetic role vis-a-vis -vis the crew, I would say. Um, and also, as Mohammed has referred to, this collaboration aspect between many parties is critical in finding a solution and there are often very many parties involved stakeholders um, and agencies such as you know there can be ship managers there can be crew managers manning agents the creditors of the ship owner the flag state and of course we we are also in touch through diplomatic channels so the embassies um, for the um, seafarers are, are also um, important to involve here. And then, you know, the ship might have been arrested by the creditor, or by the mortgagee, for example. And then there might be a court sheriff involved and the list goes on. But in working collaboratively is, is also a key learning for us. Could I, could I also ask, Alice, the way I hear you, uh, there is also a significant part of managing expectations which you have to deal with? Very much so. Um, you know, we try to put ourselves in the situation of the seafarers and 
I don't think I would be giving too much away to say that um, in, in the most recent case, we, we have had concerns about the, the mental uh, health of um, the seafarers on board. And indeed, uh, one of the crew members became seriously ill and that created problems um, for us to get the crew member off the ship. I think what you just mentioned, uh, it's going to be quite useful for our listeners, especially those who are or who have had some maritime background or perhaps still are on board the vessel. I would want to hear your message for seafarers who are either on board the vessel and, you know, having some difficulties with their owners. Um, and and how, what would be your message to them, first of all? Uh, what is it that you would recommend to those who are currently uh, stuck at sea? Okay, let, let me start with you, Alice. If, uh, you know, what would be your last and final message to the seafarers who are either currently experiencing this issue or uh, need help from their insurers or from the outside world? For those seafarers who are in an abandonment situation, then by far the most important thing that they should do is to contact their P&I club. And they will find the details of the P&I club in the MLC certificate, which should be displayed in a very prominent place on board the ship. And um, uh, as soon as they suspect that uh, the ship owner has severed its ties with them, um, or that there is a, um, a, a likelihood that that is going to happen soon, then they should get in touch with us. And that can be done by uh, email. Um, every certificate will have um, an email address. And uh, then it's very important to be, to be open um, with the insurer um, about the situation on board um, so that the, the, the insurer can um, make the right decisions on what to do next. I would also say that it's very important to uh, involve the ITF um, and build a good relationship with them um, from, from the very beginning. They can provide a lot of advice on the crew members' uh, rights um, and, and give a lot of support. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's also possible um, for um, the crew member to contact the um, flag state uh, for the vessel. Um, important, very important to involve them because they uh, can also uh, work collaboratively with the other actors to try to help the situation. And, um, you know, based on what we have said about port authorities, uh, it's very important for the crew to keep on good terms with the port authority. Um, mm. Because I think, you know, if you if you remain on, on good terms, you're more likely to be able to get a good result. Um, and then, you know, turning to those seafarers who are looking for new employment. And of course, you know, it, it can be difficult for, for crew who, um, you can't always be choosy as a crew member when looking for um, new employment. But I think as far as they can, my advice would be um, when you're looking at a ship owner, try to check out their financial health. You know, just go on the internet 
and, and, and search for the company's name and see if there are any um, news reports on that, on that particular company. Um, and I also think that the reputation and status of the manning agent which is involved um, can also be an indicator. So try to stick to those agents that have, you know, a, a good reputation and perhaps a, a long history um, in the employment market. I would also recommend that a crew check um, where a ship owner registers its vessel, which flags it uses. And, you know, this is easier said than done, but uh, it would be better if they could avoid um, ships that um, use these so-called flags of convenience and, and states which have not ratified uh, the MLC convention. Um, and finally, um, you know, if it's possible, also check um, where the uh, ship owner insures its ships. Um, one thing is with an IG P&I club, an international group um, P&I club, um, but there is a wide variation in the standard of insurers who provide financial security uh, outside the international group, and I think that if you look at the um, uh, at the ships where um, their owners have abandoned crew, many of them are have not been insured um, with um, a PNI club, um, which is a part of the international group. So those would be my my top tips for for crew. Thank you very much, Alice. And uh, Mohammed, if I can ask you the same questions um, for those seafarers who are listening into this podcast, what would be your recommendation? Uh, the listeners understand uh, that uh, uh, it is very important uh, to understand that the complaint here, uh, it doesn't happen in a normal circumstances. When we do receive a complaint on abandoned, uh, of course, we need to make and we must do a diagnosis to know what is the, the complaint because abandonment is very, uh, uh, can, uh, it might be an abandonment for lack of, uh, of uh, food and fuel and uh, basic uh, needs. It can be for unpaid of wages, it can be both, it can be for, uh, for many reasons. So we need to do a first diagnosis and this means need of information. We need to know. Uh, uh, many things. We need to have documents. Uh, and this is not always easy. This is not always easy. Only yesterday, for example, I received a call uh, of a guy who says that he is on board for three years and three months. He is not being paid for two years. He is Syrian citizen, Syrian seafarer, and uh, uh, he speaks only Arabic, no English, um, he has no access to documents of the ship, so it's very. I am I am spending and investing uh, until now all the time in getting this minimum information to to start a case. What I mean by this example, by this small introduction, is that it is not a complaint. Doesn't happen that someone comes to the union office or comes to the ITF office or comes to the inspector, the ITF inspector office, and brings documents as he say, "I am not being paid for five months. 
This is what I am being out. We are five people or ten. The communication you can receive uh, from one guy, from two, from three. Uh, you get the, the WhatsApp, or you get that by email, or you get that by on the ITF uh, Facebook platforms, and then uh, uh, you don't uh, uh, you don't get another communication only after one week, after ten days. The shift has uh, has shifted. It's very very difficult. So we just want to draw the attention here that uh, that. Uh, uh, abandonment, uh, when we go to information, uh, uh, the minimum at least of information to file a case and to start working to uh, to assist. Why I do insist on this on this aspect? Because many owners, uh, <laughs> surprisingly, and uh, who think they have eternal impunity, uh, some of the cases, terrible cases, honestly, uh, I mean, despite the evidences, despite of the clear evidences that this, the, the crew on board have not been paid, they come and they say this is not true, that the people are, 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 are happy. Uh, we have seen so many, so many um, uh, versions of, 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 def of way of defenses from some shipowners who can even dare to, to, to draw uh, a list, uh, uh, a letter from the crew saying we are happy and we don't need the ITF help and we are paid. When you ask for the evidences of payment, uh, uh, you don't get any and you know from your own, your own sources that the seafarers on board that ship has not been paid uh, anything. The seafarers also have to assume their responsibilities. Of course they have. They are not tourists on board. Uh, they are not visitors on board. They are workers of the sea. And as workers of the sea, they are the ones who will suffer the consequences of a bad choice. They have certainly uh, to be aware and invest some time before jumping on board of a ship. We are aware all of the challenges of poverty and the need to get a job. We are all, all aware of it. But still, our first recommendation is uh, to, to invest some time when you get an offer. Uh, we know that, uh, unfortunately, there are still uh, uh, countries where some criminal money agents still uh, got, get money uh, from the seafarers to join a job. And in many cases, uh, these offers are fake. The ITF uh, uh, regularly denounces this on, on our media platform, uh, some of these fake offers of jobs. So the seafarers have obligation uh, to invest some time uh, to, make, uh, uh, to make their... Uh, their investigation and their chicken before jumping on board of the ship because they will suffer uh, the consequences of, of it. Second thing, and of course, uh, I am a union, so uh, our, our star recommendation is to join a union. To join a union because in the union they will get information, they will get assessed, they will get support, they will get guidance, and they will get uh, they will get through our affiliate, through our members, they will get uh, uh, information and uh, and all the assistance uh, afterwards. This is very very important. Well, that was all that we have from Mohammed and Alice. I would like to thank them both for their valuable time and insights. I certainly hope that through this podcast, we are able to reach out to the regulators, to the port authorities, and certainly our members and clients, so that 
they have a better understanding of the plight of those who have been abandoned and perhaps work with them rather than against them to get them the assistance they need and get them home to their families. I also hope to be able to reach out to those seafarers who are currently unemployed and looking for employment so that they can avoid making decisions out of pure desperation. This issue of abandonment is here to stay. And as Mohammed has said, we will not be able to resolve this if we are not able to prioritize our seafarers. And folks, this requires concerted efforts from all of us in the industry. We will continue our work in this field and do our best to protect the rights of the seafarers. And I certainly hope that this podcast has in some way inspired you to do your part too. Thank you very much for listening and stay tuned for more episodes in the near future.